you have your Bible, take it out. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 5, beginning at verse 14. Matthew chapter 5, beginning at verse 14. And we're going to look at uh, this passage and this message entitled, Light, Life, and the Lord today. And hopefully for you, it'll be hopefully encouraging and challenging what it means to, to be the light of the world. It says this, beginning at verse 14, it says, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all those who are in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so they may see your good works and give, your, give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Now, you'll notice on the screen right now, you'll see the words in PowerPoint, and that's the program uh, that we use here at Moody Church to project our messages and music on the screen. But actually, what's interesting is, is this is not, um, PowerPoint didn't exist in the first century, so they didn't use it then, Bill. I just want to make sure you knew that. They didn't have PowerPoint in the early church. Now, there might be a surprise to your, to your uh, iPad-using children. Um, but there was a different kind of PowerPoint back then, and this is sort of it, right? And this, this passage sort of gets at some of that, right? So, so Jesus actually speaks, and, and when he speaks, there's a real emphaticness to the word, and basically he's saying, you, that's PowerPoint. Did you see that? PowerPoint. <laughs> You're just getting that now. You, you, not you, you are the light of the world. So that's, that's PowerPoint in biblical days, and Jesus is using language here that's very emphatic. He's saying, you are the light of the world. And what I want us to see today, this morning, is the church sees the light, is the light, and reflects the light. And this is, again, Jesus speaking to us, well, about us. So we're going to look at three things today as we look through our passage. The first thing I want us to see is that light is to shine, light to shine, light is here to shine. You'll notice in the corner a, a candle. You'll notice, for example, the, the Advent candles that we've been walking through and, 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 and we'll light the final, right? The final is, the, is that Christmas candle. And, but each of them speaks to the light. Why? Because the church sees the light, is the light, and reflects the light. So we're going to look at how light is to shine. But to do that, we've got to get a little background, right? So, for example, let's just walk through. I'm not going to put it on the screen, but I've got some verses I want to kind of undergird our conversation today, right? In Matthew chapter 4, we looked at it not that long ago. It says, the people dwelling in darkness have seen a great life, a great light in Matthew 4:16. Those dwelling in the region of the shadow of death, on them a light has dawned. You see, light has come, and one of the beautiful images, one of the pictures that Jesus describes himself and ultimately his people is to light. Matter of fact, John the Baptist, we know about this. We talked about this earlier as we're going through Matthew, but let's look at John chapter 1, verse 6. It says, there was a man sent from God and whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light, the true light, which enlightens everyone was coming out of the world. Four times in two, in two different forms, the word light is used in those three small verses. So we're beginning to see that in the midst of darkness, a light comes. Now don't miss this too. We're going to look at this a little bit later on as well. But in John 8, 12, it says, Jesus speaks to them. He says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. I mean, if you just read through the New Testament to see how many times Jesus describes himself in terms of revolving around light, you'll see a consistent theme. 
But what then happens is, and it's worthy of our today, it's the PowerPoint of this morning, is Jesus then reminds us, you are the light of the world. Well, that doesn't surprise us because in John 12, 46, he says, I have come into the light, so whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. So then Jesus says, you are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. So, so again, we get a very clear picture here that Jesus has said, I am the light, and then that light reflects. Why? Because the church sees the light. That's Jesus, is the light. Jesus says, you are the light of the world, and ultimately reflects the light. So then we're reminded today that you are the light of the world. Now, the theme here is pretty clear and pretty evident, right? Light is to shine. Now, you actually know, I mean, some of the kids will know the songs. Maybe you know them from when you grew up. It's, you know, hide it under a bushel. No, you know, I'm going to let it shine. It's a reminder that light exists to shine. I mean, around the room, there are lights that are actually on and shining because they exist for that purpose. Matter of fact, when it doesn't shine, we say the bulb today is burned out. It needs to be replaced for its purpose is no longer being served. So Jesus says that you are the light of the world. Remember John 12, 46. Here's what he says. He says, I have come into the world as light, don't miss this, so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. So again, so the church, right, the church sees the light. Don't want to miss that. The church is the light and reflects light. I've come into the world. I have come into the world as light so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. Now, this is really key because I want you to see that one of the challenges that a lot of people have is it's easy to be light in this room, but this room doesn't need the light as much as the world does. In fact, let, let, me, let me show you. I brought, a, I brought a flashlight today. I got my flashlight this morning, and, and uh, I, whenever I grab a flashlight, I, we keep the flashlights so that if the power ever goes out, then we're, we're ready, ready to go. But invariably, my flashlights never work because the batteries are dead. So you kind of pick it up, and you're like, no, 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 and then you got to search for batteries in the dark. But this one actually worked which is surprising to me. But here's the thing. Let me just shine it around. Can, can, can you just see how little impact it makes in here? I mean, you can barely see if I shine it on the floor. You know why? Because this room's got a lot of light. And the reality is, when Jesus says to us that you are the light of the world, he's, he's actually reminding us that the light that we have is to shine in darkness. And because it shines in darkness, Jesus is reminding us that light exists to shine, this is a statement of our interaction with the world, not our interaction with one another. Now, don't misunderstand. There's lots that the Bible teaches about our interaction with one another. But remember the context, right? Last time we were together, we looked together at, uh, at how Jesus said that you're the salt of the earth. That was how we interact with the, we permeated and we influenced and we changed. But now we look at we're light because in the midst of darkness, light shines. So can I just say, thank God for a well-lit room at Moody Church, both physically and spiritually, actually even historically, this has been a well-lit room. The gospel's been taught and preached here. God has been worshiped and honored here. We've had fellowship. We've encouraged each other here. But part of the challenge and part of the call of our Christian life is not just to be in a well-lit room, but to light up the darkness. Light is to shine. So Jesus says, you are the light of the world. That's not all he says. Number two in our outline is light to see. What is that going to help us with? It's going to help us to see why the church uh, sees the light in Christ. It is the light and reflects the light. And so Matthew chapter 5 verse 14 says this. It says, a city set on a hill cannot be hidden, 
nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, or we'd say in the King James Version, a bushel, hide it under a bushel. No, I'm going to let it shine. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, so it gives light to the whole house. Now, I want you not to miss that this kind of candle arrangement to, to us is, is, is a decorative reminder of Advent. This is the fourth Sunday of Advent. But to people in the days that Jesus wrote, actually, this, this was light for the house. So you wouldn't take this and put a, put a basket over it, no. I mean, you would, you would take this, and, and actually this is a large, more decorative one, but you would actually uh, carry it around the house sometimes and, and, and to, to guide yourself, to have light and more. You see, light is there to be seen. So light to shine, but light to see. Matter of fact, villages in Israel were built on top of the hills. You can still see that today if you visit. Is you, they're meant to be seen. You can't miss them. Actually, the Bible says Israel was to be a light to the nations. And Jerusalem was mentioned in that context as this light. And so, so but now Jesus says it's, it's Christians, it's followers of Jesus. He says with that PowerPoint, you are the light of the world. Because the church sees the light, is the light, and ultimately reflects the light. So this is so key. So, uh, so it's not a country that's the light of the world. It's, it, it, it's, it's not a plan. It's, it's not a, even a strategy. You know what the light of the world is? It's, it's Christians who have been changed by Jesus. Jesus says you are the light of the world. Ephesians 3.10, it says God has chosen the church to make known his manifold wisdom. The church is the bearer of that light. Now, why does that matter? Because the reality is we live in a time and a season where and sometimes we seem we want to get together in light-filled rooms, but we don't want to share the gospel in more dark settings. You see, Ed, I'm not, where I live is not that dark. I live in a nice neighborhood. We've got lots of lights. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a spiritual sense of darkness. You see, when, when these words were written, when we sang or we hear in the passages about darkness, it's not that the world was as bad as it could be. It's not that people weren't happy and didn't, sometimes, didn't love their children and didn't go about their lives and have happiness and, and interaction with others and fellowship. It's that they were spiritually darkened. And light helps us to see. When I was a... Uh, when I was in, uh, just moved into our new home in the last place we lived in Nashville. I moved here about a year and a half ago to Chicago, lived in Nashville before that. We, we, uh, my kids were a little younger, right? We, we, when they, they are, uh, I'm, a, I'm a New Yorker. I think of myself as a, as a New Yorker, having lived in New York more than anywhere else. But my daughters think of themselves as uh, Southerners. So they lived in Nashville for about a decade. So they say, uh, y'all and fixin'. Uh, I send them to their room when they say fixin'. It just seems that... <laughs> And uh, everyone always tells them they have this big southern accent, but down when they were in Tennessee, people said they had a northern accent because they're, you know, Donna's Canadian, my wife's Canadian, and I'm a, I'm a New Yorker, so they pick up a little bit of ours. But, but we would, they, they were a little younger, and I could get them to do crazy things in a way that, that now as teenagers, they roll their eyes at me. But, but um, one day I needed to go underneath the house. We've got this new house. I needed to check something underneath the house. And so I, I said to them, hey, listen, let's, let's go on an adventure and go caving. And they were young enough to totally fall for it. I said, there's a cave under our house. Now, you'd know the cave is what's called a crawl space. Uh, but, and it's kind of dirty and nasty down there. So we got on our stuff and we started kind of shimmying in and we got, we got underneath it. And, and, uh, and one of the kids got scared and, and she said, so dad, how are we going to get out? Well, I, I said, don't, don't worry, don't worry. Because all we got to do, 
there's this one place we go in, this little opening to the cave, which some of you would call a door. Um, all we got to do is get back to the direction of the light. And so we, we climbed through, and we were down there, and I started telling them a story. We have this story that, that actually lasts for, well, we've been telling it for a decade now. It's called the Jeremy and Mary story, and Jeremy and Mary are on this quest, and they go to all these places. And so I said, we're going in like Jeremy and Mary did, and, and uh, as you see the kid, maybe you'll see, you'll, see, you'll see him tonight, and maybe you say to them, hey, how about those Jeremy and Mary stories? Because they, they went on for like 10 years and once in a while, even my 19-year-old will come to me and say, hey, we need a little more Jeremy and more Mary story. So Jeremy and Mary were trapped in this cave, and we had to go get them out. And then we, we got to follow the light to get out. You see, that's what light, light is to show, right? Light's to shine, right? But don't forget this, right? Light is to see. You need to see the direction, right? Light to shine, light to see, light to show. Now, don't, don't, don't miss this, right? Because part of being light to, to see and part of light to, to show the way is an, an acknowledgement that light is, provides you a sense of direction. Right, let, me, let me give you an example. There's a, uh, we sing a lot of uh, great songs here around Christmas time. And that's what, I mean, Christmas time is, is appropriately uh, surrounded by songs. It actually is uh, in the New Testament. So it's the most, uh, the most focused time of songs in the whole Bible. But at Moody Church, we sing sentencing's great songs, Hark the Herald Angels, and that's good. We sometimes don't sing some of the songs that, well, that I maybe grew up with. Um, see, there was, this, uh, there was this reindeer, you know, <laughs> and people made fun of his, his nostrils, um, his nose, and they used to laugh and call him names. They never let poor Rudolph play in any reindeer games. Kids, maybe you know it with me. Let's try it together. Then one foggy Christmas Eve, join with me. Santa came to say, parents too, Rudolph, with your nose so bright, won't you guide my sleigh tonight? Here it goes. Then how the reindeer loved him as they shouted out with glee. Rudolph the red-nosed reindeer, you'll go down in history. Now I know some of you are offended that I just sang this song. <laughs> so send me letters if you need to. Send them to me, Erwin Lutzer. Moody Church is all the address <laughs> that you need. But you see, first of all, what a sad song that is, really. I mean, what a sad song. Nobody likes you until you lead the sleigh. And then we'll be your friend, but until then, you're a loser until you prove your worth. Aren't you glad that the gospel's not like that? And as a matter of fact, but we do know that, you know, then one foggy Christmas Eve, why, why did we need Rudolph? Because, because they needed somebody to show the way. But aren't you glad that the gospel's not like that? You see, because the reality is, is Jesus, while we were yet sinners, while we were not worthy, while, while we despised, while we lived in darkness, that, that instead Jesus came, showed us the light, called us to the light, the church sees the light, is the light, and reflects, reflects the light. So you're, don't miss this, you are to show the light because of what God has done in, in you. C.S. Lewis puts it this way, where this reflection, right? But you got to go back up the sunbeam to the sun, right? So we're the sunbeam, right? But you got to go back up the sunbeam to the sun. And the light that here, that's interesting is how it 
changes, right? Let's look at verse 16 and see how it changes. Because it starts with, you are the light, a city set on the hill. It starts with who you are, and then, right, you, you, the light that you are switches to the light that you show. It says, in the same way, let your light shine before others so they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who's in heaven. Now, don't miss this, right? This is so key because it's, in a sense, it's a reminder to us about what a Christmas message is all about. Um, here, here's, the, here's a couple of traditions that we try to do, and I recognize that I will lose my reward in heaven for, in part for telling you this, but one of the things we do as a family is uh, we, we, we gather together at Christmas time, of course, and we, we open gifts, and, and uh, we'll do some of that tonight after services, and then, uh, and then some of that tomorrow morning. Uh, and, then, and then actually we'll go to Disney World for a week. Right here, the crowds are really low this time of year, so I'm looking forward to that. Um, if I don't make it back alive, please just pray for my family. Um, but but we'll, we'll be on Christmas Day, we'll gather together uh, and around. But one of the things, for example, we do, we, we think Christmas is far more about sharing the light of Christ than sharing presence with one another. I mean, how can we come to any other conclusion? So one of the things we do, we've made a commitment as a family that we never give a present to one another that's larger than the present we give to international missions so that the light of the gospel might go around the world to the Pokot in Africa, to the Quechua in the highlands of Peru, to the Ebon in Malaysia. So we gather together and we'll make that part of our Christmas celebration. Actually, tomorrow morning, uh, we'll actually begin our day with the Gospel of Luke and we'll read it together. Why? Because this is not about presence to have. It's about light to show. It's about the gift that Jesus gave, not about the gifts that we give. Now, don't misunderstand. I'm not here to uh, be the Scrooge in your Christmas celebration. I'm not going to mention what is true and what is not around Christmas celebrations. But I am going to mention what is certainly essential around Christmas celebrations, is that is that there is light to shine, there is light to see, and there is light to show. Now, we have, um, we have a Christmas tree in our home. Uh, maybe, maybe you do, maybe you don't. We have a Christmas tree in our home. But our Christmas tree, when we took it out this year, um, didn't survive well, I think, the storage from uh, last Christmas. And about half the lights are actually out. It looks, it looks horrible. Uh, so we actually decided to add some new lights to it. I think Christmas lights may be uh, the devil's tool to distract us from his kingdom work. Um, you know, we, we have, um, we, we this year, we decided that, that we, you know, instead of stringing lights now, they have got the lazy man's Christmas lights, right? And so basically you take up front and you go to whatever Home Depot and you buy this little thing, you stick it in your lawn and it puts lights projecting on the side of your house, right? How many of you have just gone the lazy man's Christmas way? There you go. Just own it, man. Just own it. Don't be afraid. Um, so did we. Uh, we have a couple of lights, but but we left them around and just, and so now for just a few dollars, we have light that's dancing on the side of our house. But some of our neighbors clearly are in a contest with one another. <laughs> and um, <laughs> and it's, it's just, it's just, I mean, it literally takes like weeks and, and like you could see there are two of them and they had, they all put out their lights and then the, you could see the neighbor next door actually went and bought more to sort of make a point. And then the neighbor next to, across the street actually, uh, got more. And maybe they're not doing it on purpose, but it looks like it to me. Because now, right now, because I'm on the flight path uh, headed to the airport, now, right now, planes are actually having to divert around our house. Because <laughs> our neighborhood is so, it looks like a landing zone for an airport. Um, but, you know, people want light. 
at Christmas. Maybe it's because where we live, you know, December 21st was the, the shortest day of the year, and maybe because there's not a lot of light around this time for us. But you know, the theme of light, Christmas lights, all these things point to the reality that Jesus calls us to show, to show his light. The church sees the light, is the light, and reflect light. But sometimes, can I just be honest with you, sometimes Christians are a little too much like Christmas lights. Some of them burn out or don't start up. And sometimes we can be in a room like this with lots of people who know the light of Christ and thank God for you and thank God for the legacy and the history uh, of this church. But, but don't miss this, right? Um, in John 8, 12, Jesus says this. It says, again, Jesus spoke to them. Oh, I'm sorry, before that, I want to read actually another passage here. It's 2 Corinthians chapter 4. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, beginning at verse 4, it says this. This is the reality of the world. It says, in their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers, right? The God of this world, lowercase g, so we're talking about Satan, right? Real, 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 real individual with real work. The case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light, the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is in the image, who is the image of God. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Christ Jesus is Lord with ourselves as servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. You see, the church sees the light, is the light, and reflects the light. So I don't want you to miss this, right? And there's, so here's what I want to kind of, kind of bring us to kind of at the end, right? Listen to the words of Jesus in another gospel, the gospel of John. It says in John 8, 12, again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the, the light of light. One of my uh, favorite authors, and maybe yours as well, is a guy named Max Lucado. And I always hear his voice whenever I read something he says. I preached at his, his church a couple of years ago, and uh, he wasn't there, which is why I was filling in. But, but I told him whenever I like, hear anything from Max Lucado, I think of Hermie and Wormy. Some of you will remember Hermie and Wormy, because he was, he was uh, Hermie, I think. And, um, but he tells this parable that I think is, is really great. Here's what he says. He says, uh, there was a blackout one night. When the lights went out, I fumbled to the closet where we keep candles for nights like this. I lit four of them. I was turning to leave with a large candle in my hand when I heard a voice. Now hold it right there. Who said that? I did, the voice said near my hand. Who are you? What are you? I'm a candle. He said, I lifted up the candle to take a closer look, and there was a, there was a tiny face in the wax. Don't take me out of here. What? I said, don't take me out of this room, this closet. What do you mean I have to take you out? You're a candle. Your job is to, is to give light. It's dark out there. But you can't take me out. I'm not ready. The candle explained with pleading eyes, I need more preparation. I didn't believe my ears. More preparation? Yeah, I decided I need to research this job of light giving so I, I won't go out and make a bunch of mistakes. You'd be surprised how distorted the glow of an untrained candle can be. All right then. You're not the only candle on the shelf. I'll blow you out and take the others. But right then I heard other voices. We, we aren't going either. I turned to the other candles. Your candles, your job is to light dark places. Well, that may be what you think, said the first one. You may think we have to go, but I'm busy. I'm meditating on the importance of light. It's very important. It's really enlightening. And you other two, are you going to stay too? Uh, a short, fat, purple candle with a plump cheek spoke up. I'm, I'm waiting to get my life together. I'm not stable enough. 
The last candle had a female voice, very pleasant to the ear. I'd like to help, she explained, but lighting the darkness is not my gift. You see, I'm a singer. I sing to the other candles to encourage them to burn more brightly. <laughs> so she began a rendition of this little light of mine. I'm going to let it shine. The others filled in, and they, and they filled the closet with singing, this little light of mine. Said, I took a step back and considered the absurdity of it all. Four perfectly healthy candles singing to each other about life and light, but refusing to come out of the closet. So here's a question for you. When was the last time you shared the gospel with someone? See, the world is filled with spiritual darkness, people stumbling around, trying to find their way, and ultimately the light is you. Back to the PowerPoint, you see. You are the light of the world. Remember a few months ago I asked you to take out a piece of paper in your program, in your bulletin, a map and a list? Remember when Pastor Bill's been talking about warmth and witness and how we've got to prioritize that great? Remember that time I talked about how, how our church is named after a famous evangelist? Wouldn't it be odd if a church named after a famous evangelist didn't do a lot of evangelism? If not, maybe we should change our name and, you know, we could, we could, we could be something else. We could be Bible teaching church. Maybe we, we could be like light candle church. We'd be like a lot of light in the room church. Moody Church is not a statement of our mood at a given moment. It's a statement of an evangelist who reminded us to be bearers of the light because he knew that's what Jesus wanted us to do. You see, the church sees the light, is the light, and reflects the light. You are the light of the world. I want to ask you to do something today. This is not just a, a message that I'm ending with, sort of a general admonition or encouragement. Um, here, here's what I want to ask you to do today. Because you're here today. And, and you know, most, mo more people are going to come tonight than are going to come this morning, right? We're not, we're not surprised by that. I know the, the godly people will come to both tonight and this evening. <laughs> Amen? And ac according to Pastor Bill, you need to have a note, and maybe a doctor's note as well, to miss this evening's service. But can I, I really want to ask you to do something, and I want to ask you to pray about doing it before we leave the message today. I want you today to make some phone calls this afternoon and invite some people to church tonight. Warmth and witness. Witness matters. You say, but, but it's Christmas Eve. I don't want to disturb somebody on Christmas Eve. They're with their family. Let me ask you a question. At what holiday are you exactly willing to invite somebody? This is the day to call people. As a matter of fact, according to research we did at LifeWay Research, 47% of Americans are more open to consider spiritual matters, and the highest number of any season of the year is right now, is today. You say, well, my coworkers, if they got a call or a text from me on Sunday, they wouldn't know what to think. Maybe they would think you're trying to show them the light. Now, you say, but everyone really liked Rudolph. Well, they, they did, and that's why the story's not always true, right? They said, Rudolph, with your nose so bright. They, they, they liked him because he ultimately, now, now he'll go down in history. You see, the reason that you're hesitant, even now some of you are hesitant, is because you know that people don't always respond to the light the way they responded to Rudolph. Um, see, why? Because light actually shows some things. It shows some things in 
the midst of darkness that maybe they need to address in their lives. Maybe it shows some things that they, they, they need to consider about what it means to be, uh, to be their spiritual condition where it is and to change that spiritual condition. And so I know sometimes it's hard to be the light that shines in the midst of the darkness. But what I want to say to you is this, right? The church sees the light. We've seen what God has done. We've sung about what God has done. We've got a room full of candles here. The church sees light. It is the light, the PowerPoint. You are the light of the world. So I'm asking you specifically today to reach out to your friends, to your neighbors, and to your coworkers. If you've been working with us and praying on that map and a list, you've already got their names. But we're going to pray for them, and then we're going to pray for you to reach out to them so that you might be the light that Jesus says. Now listen, I don't know the future of the of the world. I know people are still open today. I don't know the future. I'm not a prophet. I'm not the son of a prophet. I work at a nonprofit organization. I don't know the future. It may get darker, but Jesus is still king and we're still called to be light. See, they, they might not always want to hear, but we'll, we're still called to tell. So let's be salt, we talked about a few weeks ago. Let's be light. Let's trust God for the future. They need to know we need to tell. And when Jesus died on a cross, he died on a hill in the view of everybody so that people might see and people might know. And so for us who are followers of Jesus, we don't hide it under a bushel. No, we've got to let it shine. And we have the opportunity to do that today at a time and a season when people are more open than any other. So my encouragement to you is simple. I want to actually pray for your friends and your neighbors with you right now, your family members and your coworkers right now. And then I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you to reach out ultimately to them and be the light. You are the light of the world. Let's pray. Father, I come before you, and we don't, we don't pray for ourselves at this moment. We pray for people who don't know you. Just with your head bowed and your eyes closed for just a moment, would you do that with me? I don't know their names, but you do. Father, I pray that this Christmas season, they might, they might have someone talk to them. They might have somebody invite them to church. They might have somebody show the love of Jesus with them. Father, I pray you bring to mind to people right here today neighbors and friends and family members and co-workers. Just take this moment with your head bowed and your eyes closed. And could you just do that very thing? Could you right now just take a moment and ask the Lord to bring to mind people for you to pray? Just pray for them right now. Just take a moment and say, Lord Jesus, work in their hearts today. I mean, what clearer call can we have than to pray for people who don't know Jesus? And to say, Lord, help us to, to be deeply burdened for them. Just take just a moment. Just pray for your friends, your coworkers, your family. And now I want to pray for you for just a second. I want to ask you to be the light, not the candle in the closet in the Max Lucado parable. Well, I'm, I'm singing to encourage others. Well, thank God for your singing, but let's be light. Well, I'm not ready yet. Well, you're light. You are. You are. Not you will be. Not you got to get it all together. You are the light of the world, Jesus said. Can you just pray for boldness to, to be the light that Jesus calls us to be? To show as the light. Just take this moment. Pray for yourself. Father, I pray 
that you might embolden us in a church named after an evangelist, that we might be those who tell the good news of the gospel. No excuses, no, no reasons that justify not being the PowerPoint that you give us. You are the light of the world. Just with your head bowed and your eyes closed for this moment, could you just, between you and the Lord, just, just pray and say, Lord, I'm the light of the world. Just silently to the Lord. I am the light of the world. That's what Jesus said. You can respond to him say, I am the light of the world. And now I'm going to ask you to pray about being willing today. Not tomorrow, not the next day, but today, this afternoon on Christmas Eve, you couldn't ask for a better time. Say, hey, listen, it's Christmas Eve service. Can you come and be with us tonight? If not, it gives you an opportunity to encourage them to go elsewhere. Another church is teaching and preaching the gospel or to build a relationship. Would you just pray and open your heart to be willing? Father, I pray for your people as we pray. Lord, that you might burden us that being the light of the world is not somebody else's job, but it's all of our job. And we sing hallelujah to you so you might be worthy of our praise, Lord. But we also pray in this Christmas hallelujah that all the world might know that Jesus is Messiah. And that today, Lord Jesus, I might be a part of that. We personally, every one of us might be a part of shining forth that light. Jesus, may you be glorified as we shine and reflect the light that you are. That's our prayer. Just in the same spirit of prayer you're in right now, would you stand to your feet with me right now? Fathers, we stand to our feet. We sing you praise. We give you glory. But as we sing, burden us to be the light of the world.